Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 230 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with the three winners of the Asia-Pacific Social Innovation Partnership Award, or APSIPA, in the social prosperity category. The three winners are Beam & Go, Leader of Light Global Foundation, and Wonderlab. With the gradual increase of global risks, how can we develop innovative practices to ensure a future where sustainability will become mainstream? Well, the Asia-Pacific Social Innovation Partnership Award is established to explore dynamic social innovation models in the Asia-Pacific and to motivate more changemakers to contribute to social innovation, discovering and celebrating social innovation partnerships that connect diverse stakeholders and make significant social impacts. Partnership cases are required to set the United in Nations Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, as their core value. And the award sets motivating social innovation partnerships as its purpose, integrating 17 SDGs sorted into three categories, biosphere sustainability, inclusive business, and social prosperity. Now, the winners from today were chosen from each category, and there was one special jury prize chosen by the judging panel as well. This Social Prosperity Award that we are talking to the winners today focuses on social innovation initiatives relevant to fundamental dignity in human society. And I'm here with the three respective founders, Jonathan Ichua, Ilak Diaz, and Kei Kawashima. Jonathan Ichua's dream is to level the playing field for migrant workers by giving them the tools to take care of their families. He wants to see their hard work and sacrifice result in an improved life for them and their families and provide better opportunities for future generations. Along with Mr. Albert Christian Goh, Mr. Chua defines Beam and Goh's business strategy and oversees the overall business operations and engineering team. Mr. Chua has 25 years of software development, business development, entrepreneurship and startup investing experience and he's developed leading edge software platforms for some of the biggest companies in financial services, online research and big data. Ilak Diaz is a social entrepreneur working to empower communities in the Philippines and around the world through several pioneering programs in rammed earth, bamboo and PET plastic bottle construction. Ilak leads the Liter of Light movement. Ilak founded the My Shelter Foundation in 2006 to promote grassroots sustainable development through capacity building and employment generating projects. Introducing groundbreaking social enterprise, appropriate low cost technologies and alternative construction in the Philippines, the My Shelter Foundation has pioneered projects such as the Pier 1 Seafarers Dormitory and the Design Against the Elements Competition and the Bottle School Project, improving the lives of Filipinos in rural communities through the creation of classrooms and clinics made of recycled materials like plastic bottles. 
Ilac realized that while he could build innovative, sustainable structures, he had no way to light buildings constructed far from the electrical grid. And his solution to this challenge led to the Liter of Light movement. Kei Kawashima is the CEO and founder of Wonderlab. Arithmetic and mathematics have long been a passion for Kei. Since he was a student, Kei has been involved in the production of the best-selling Nezope, a problem collection anthology. Since 2007, Kay has been involved in various learning support programs, including helping with childcare institutes across Japan and abroad along the teaching students from four years old to university student level at the Hanamaru Group. In 2014, Kay founded Hanamaru Labco Limited, which has since been renamed Wonderlab. The app he developed, Think Think, has over 1 million users across 150 countries around the world and won multiple awards both in Japan and abroad. Such awards include the Google Play Awards and in the past, Kei has worked as a part-time lecturer at the University of Tokyo. Each year, he continues to be involved in the production of the Maths Olympics and since 2017, serves as an advisor to me Prefecture on the development of mathematical thinking. So, three wonderful founders here. It's a pleasure to have you all. Thanks so much for joining us. Now, to kick things off, I would love to hear a little about your projects and we'll be starting with you, Jonathan, today. So, can you please tell us a little bit more about your project, the impact it's creating, and what led to your passion in social innovation? Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me here. I'm, I'm really excited to be part of this talk here. So here's the deal. When a migrant worker leaves her country for work, a promise is made. The money she remits back to her home will uplift her family. Now, the remittance is great because the funds can be used to purchase groceries, medicine, and pay bills. But it can also be abused on gambling, drugs, and alcohol. So Beam & Go is a payment and digital marketplace that empowers migrant workers by giving them control over how these remittances are spent by their families back home. We solve the problem of remittance leakage and spending abuse. And our customers are migrant workers from the Philippines. These are people who have left their homes from the Philippines, but now work in countries like Singapore, Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Japan. And now here's how it works. A domestic helper in Singapore tells us she wants to send 5,000 pesos, about 100 US dollars to her husband in Manila, but he can only use it to buy groceries. We generate a code that has a value, 5,000 pesos, and a purpose, groceries, and send it to the husbands. Over 8,000 locations, products, and services throughout the Philippines accept Beam & Go. Supermarkets, pharmacies, convenience stores, gas stations, as well as rice and fresh goods deliverables. We have over 260,000 registered users. Women are the main providers of 91% of the families that we help. Hmm. And we're working with other social impact and financial services companies like Grameen Foundation, UNICEF, and JP Morgan. But this is just the beginning. We're launching a stored value facility this year and adding another 13,000 products to our merchant net network by the end of next year. And this includes tuition loans and continuing education courses. And here's why it's important. If we get this right, for the first time in her life, a domestic worker or a migrant worker from the Philippines will have financial control and financial savings. Her children will be educated and the financial stability will help keep families together. And on a nationwide basis, it's gonna lower unemployment rate, it's gonna create a well-educated workforce and a thriving economy. And that's a benefit to over 110 million people. And that's what Beeman Go is all about. Wow. It sounds like you've had some fantastic traction there, 
Jonathan, and that you've really understood some of the core sort of pain points and needs of the people that you were really helping. So, so well done on that initiative. Ilak, we're going to pass to you now. I'm keen to hear a little bit more about the Lita of Light, the impact that it's creating, and what led to your passion in social innovation. Lita of Light really was created in one of the darkest moments in Philippine history. In the first category five impact, um, the first category five impact by a typhoon, and this was called Haiyan, 10,000 lives were lost and more than 4 million houses were destroyed. When we tried to look for solar lights to replace kerosene, which was causing lots of third degree burns, a loss of light was also causing safety issues for women coming back and forth from the aid camps with food or with money. We found out that this would cost more than 60% of our income and about five months. So what happened was they had to put it in a box, in a container, on a truck, on a ship. And by the time it reached the people that needed it, a lot of it was in the logistics. 60 to 80% of the United Nations funds are spent on logistics. So we found out that there was enough parts that can be sourced locally and can be built by hand to be able to replicate this. We had one of the largest solar cell makers in the country, but nobody was teaching the locals how to make it. Through a special policy, we were able to source this, and suddenly we were starting to make women build the lights. We found out that they were competent, they could repair it, and now they were renting it. So they were making a business out of it. They were now also renting the street lights, the local government, and maintaining it, and mobile chargers all built by hand. This we were able to expand around the Philippines and around to 32 countries around the world. We then found out a new business model, which is based on Habitat for Humanity, which corporates love building the lights. And so they would charge us, we would charge them, we would charge them for buying the parts, but at the same time giving them the experience of building the lights, but at the same time charging them as well for installing it in the villages. So we found out that this was a viable option, and we do now about a million lights a year pre-COVID. That's incredible impact, Ilak. Well done on all the hard work that you've been doing at the Leader of Light. And it sounds, again, by identifying that the, the, the cost of logistics in, in the UN projects, you're really tackling a, a really clear need here. So well done. Let's move to you, Kay. You're working with Wonderlab. So tell us a little bit more about the impact that you're creating and what led to your passion in, in driving this project. Hi, thank you for inviting me. We created the mobile app ThinkFink. This is basically a problem-solving application that contains more than 100 games with puzzles and mazes targeted for children of 4 to 12 years old. There are mainly three impacts we are creating. The first one is that children can truly enjoy playing and learning. All games are very intuitive and children can play without any knowledge, including literacy. That is why ThinkFink has over 1 million users across 150 countries without any marketing. The second impact is that we proved the effectiveness effectiveness of ThinkFink by conducting external research. Together with Keio University, JICA, Japanese International Cooperation Agency, and Cambodian Ministry of Education, the experiment proved that academic performance, intelligence, and non-cognitive skills were improved dramatically in groups that use ThinkThink for three months. We found that rather than teaching mathematical concepts directly, focusing on critical thinking helps improve their academic performance. 
On top of this, great progress was seen in all of our students, regardless of their gender, grade, or parental education. This is actually the reason why we were nominated as Google Play Awards finalists of Best Social Impact. The third impact is that Cambodian government is actually considering introducing to their national curriculum because of the positive result. If we succeed contributing Cambodian education truly, we are going to have more chance to contribute other countries all over the world. In the end, what led me to my passion to create Think Things comes from my experience teaching children in children's home or public schools in many Asian countries, Japan, Cambodia, Philippines, Laos, Mongolia, Vietnam, and East Timor. I was so happy when I saw children excited to learn materials that we made. We improved our product over and over again uh, so that all children feel excited to learn. That leads to our current version of Think Think. Thank you. Thanks so much, Kay. I mean, Think Think sounds like an excellent app and it's creating some really strong impact there and, and learning for children. So well done on that. So you all have such diverse experience and have worked really extensively across the Asia-Pacific region. And winning the AppSipper Award highlights your dedication, your hard work, and your skills really to innovate. So I'm keen to hear your observations of the social innovation movement in your respective countries and further afield. And where do you see key opportunities and next steps? Over to you, Jonathan. I know you're based out of Singapore. What are your thoughts? Yeah, here in Singapore, there's, there's actually a lot of support for social enterprises and, and social impact companies. There are actually NGOs that are here uh, for startups. And then, then there's also NGOs that, that are targeted towards different groups. So for our groups, is is mostly migrant workers. And they do a very good job in providing kind of like a safety net, a place for people to go to if uh, they have issues with employers and things like that. But I think what's been lacking, and it's not just lacking here in Singapore, but it's lacking throughout the world, is that beyond that initial level of a, of a safety net, the tools for migrant workers to kind of really uplift themselves and their families are lacking. Mm. And that's why we came up with Beam and Go, because we saw that you know a lot of migrant workers lack financial literacy. And as a result of that, they were slipping through, through the cracks. And what you saw was a lot of spending abuse and remittance leakage. So, so those are the things that we're trying to address. And what's happening here in Singapore is we get a lot of help. And our core customers are migrant workers from the Philippines. But in Singapore, they also realize that, you know, it's not just for Singaporeans only. They see migrant workers as a very vital mm. cog in kind of the, the whole ecosystem here. And so there, there's a lot of help that we get for, in terms of funding, in terms of grants, also in terms of mentorship and advisory. So I think it's really strong and it's really a good example for a lot of countries to, to take this on. And I know in, in other countries like Taiwan and I also seen it in Japan where that's also happening. But I'm really happy that and I feel very lucky that we started Beam and Go here in Singapore because because of all the help that we get. It sounds like it's a really supportive ecosystem there, Jonathan. So thanks for sharing that. Ilak, what about yourself? You're based in the Philippines. So what are your observations of the social innovation movement there and, and where do you see key opportunities? Well, social innovation has always been seen as a business that helps a nonprofit. There was really no way in between. And so 
and uh, and nonprofits over here basically could not get out of you would say the proverbial basement or garage so it was always waiting for godot for somebody to give some kind of this kind of charity so i was working on a very charitable system filipinos are also very very low on donating to charities especially because we are also underranked with facilities with support against international ngos so really this was a pit that concerned me but later on with this kind of social enterprise coming forward we were now able to charge companies to be able to do this kind of workshops mm. and then we would work with women in the provinces uh, that would also make a business out of the solar lights for less than a dollar a week you can charge as many times with your solar light your mobile charger and then if you add an extra 100 bucks to this women so cooperatives could have your streets lit they were becoming very powerful exchanges where kerosene which was taking 35% of their income was now being moved to other things like education better food and they could now expand the enterprise they were now buying using their husbands that were going for fish or dumping vegetables in the central city we could now backhaul all the supplies that were now being purchased to this women i would say solar enterprises and this is now leading to 350 partners and this was something that also was allowing us to donate it's very strange that the philippines was now putting 5 to 10000 in pakistan india bangladesh africa we were now donating to start up this model and it's led to 32 countries so social enterprise has been a way that ideas even from the pacific islands can have 1200 employees around the world so some great insights there elak thanks for sharing those so kay tell us about japan but you also have extensive experience across the asia pacific but what are your observations of the social innovation movement and where are these key opportunities perhaps my perspective is very limited to the context of education yep. and my activity what i am about to mention is not limited to japanese but not a few persons and organizations donated or invested constructing schools for children in other countries for example in cambodia and a lot of social entrepreneurs visited those places trying to contribute something to children what i heard from these guides is that they have difficulties in preparing what to teach right now japanese government is trying to deliver every public school to pc or tablet one by one mm. i think many schools have difficulty in providing what software to use in the future short future that's really really interesting to hear that perspective too and it talks to the to the point of digital inclusion right particularly when we step beyond some of the more developed countries in the world to those that may find it hard to get access to digital infrastructure and the internet so that's really interesting so you've all had really interesting experiences yourself what's one piece of advice that you would give to other social entrepreneurs or innovators who are starting out on their journey and focused on social prosperity what about you jonathan I think what happens is when you start when you do see a problem in in society or you see a gap you have a lot of energy and you really want to if you're inclined that way you really want to fix it and but the thing is to fix a lot of the problems that that affect society requires a lot of people one person can't do it all mm. so my advice is really if you if you found that gap or you you found that that problem you want to fix 
start to reach out. Try to see who else is working on, on these problems. There are a lot of resources online. There are also a lot of resources on like on U, the UN, also in, in other NGO sites. And my recommendation is just to go go there and just see what other like-minded people are out there and, and sh start sharing ideas because it's really tough to do it by yourself. So it's just really start to kind of get into the ecosystem, participate. Maybe one day you become a leader in that ecosystem, but that's pretty much where you should start. That's great advice, Jonathan. Thanks for sharing. What about yourself, Ilak? What advice would you give? I want to qualify the discussion a while ago and also refer it to, to Jonathan's work, which is they, the Filipinos here donate one of the least when it comes to personal donations, but they're one of the most charitable when they come to their own lives. They usually support their parents, their families. So they give a lot of themselves in their own sector. So that's not to mean that, you know, we're, we, I think they're one of the most charitable as a nation. I just wanted to also say that uh, for social enterprise is never look away from things that bother you, because if it bothers you, it means that it bothers other people as well. And mm. so that's what we also did, like Jonathan, is look for things that bothered other people and we started organizing them. Uh, one of the benefits, though, is to have this kind of businesses, people that have experience in businesses, because this kind of income is very important for the lifeblood of struggling nonprofits. It started, as I said, like a small sari-sari store, like a side corner store, but we could also grow just like a small and medium enterprise into a large enterprise one day with this kind of income. So the income of doing good is a very powerful uh, new concept over here. Thanks so much, Ilak. That's some, some great perspective there. Kay, what about yourself? What advice would you give to other social entrepreneurs who are starting out on their journey? I can't say big things, big things to them, but I just would like to tell why I was able to keep trying. Mm. I kept tackling my project, not because I had high, noble, or magnificent philosophy or awareness of the big issues, but because I just wanted to do so maybe wondering to ourselves whether we want to do jewelry or not might work better than finding great issues to keep trying uh, in order to keep trying. Absolutely. Great perspective there and obviously, you know, something that you've been able to reflect on a lot. So thanks so much for that. Some great perspectives. Let's finish off now with some books and resources. So which of those would you recommend to our listeners? Jonathan? I'm a pretty big reader. i also big into audiobooks and I always tell people, just try to read anything. Read as much as you can. Like right now I'm reading Everything You Wanted to Know About the Universe by Neil deGrasse Tyson. I read spy novels, I read nonfiction, I read biographies. I think just reading in general is, is a good thing to do. It kind of opens up your world. It, you get to see different things at a pretty low cost, right? The a cost of a book is like $15, $20. And it really opens up a whole world to you. So my recommendation is just any book. Just, just read. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, Jonathan. What about yourself, Ilak? The basic book that I started with was How to Change the World. And this basically was the first entrance I had into social enterprise. And what was interesting really was to read that there were people out there that could start from a very small enterprise and, and grow very big. And this was very different from charity model. Over here, it was always in a way waiting for people to support you. And, and, and in a way, it was really making me very miserable because I'm not, you know, I don't want to beg. I don't, I hate begging. 
and waiting for them. You talk to 20, nine will sort of re- respond to you and maybe one or two. It was, it was the most difficult period of my mm-hmm. life. And so when I realized that social enterprise, I, we could earn by giving a service, but at the same time, we could teach the women to maintain it and to be able to build solar lights by hand. This concept that solar can be a technology that can be maintained, expanded, and at the same time, it could change the lives of women without you having to be there. So that idea that purest form was to make yourself obsolete was another book, which was called Three Cups of Tea. And so these two books, How to Change the World and The Three Cups of Tea, very influential towards my journey. Thank you, Ilak. And finally, Kay, what about yourself? What books have been really inspirational? I would like to introduce a book for the guys who are interested in education. The title is Range. This was written by American science journalist David Epstein. By reading this book, you can recognize many academic facts that what we believed for a long time, effective to children for a short span, are not effective to children for a long period. A typical example is cramming. You can find many academic uh, interesting facts. That sounds like a great read there, Kay. So thank you so much. And a huge thanks to all of you today. You've provided some really generous insights and time and a huge congratulations on winning the APSIPA Social Prosperity Award. We'll look forward to tracking your journeys into the future and best of luck. Thank you, Tom. Hey, hey everybody, cool winners. All yeah, right, take care, guys. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.